Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn of the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we are kicking off hour number three of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Joining us now on the phone lines is our good friend from Fox 5 Sports. That's Paloma Villacana. And Paloma, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I got to ask, how was the trip to South Bend? Oh, it was awesome. It was beautiful weather. Uh, The campus was gorgeous. It was actually warmer in Indiana than it was in Vegas that weekend. So uh, UNLV lucked out with some great weather and it was awesome to see a ton of UNLV fans up there as well. So I saw a lot of red in the crowd, but um, just an exciting historic game, you know, for UNLV to, to take the team up there for the guys to experience that, you know, 80,000 in attendance there up in Notre Dame. So, um, you know, a lot of the guys can get that experience under their belt and, and hopefully that, that live action experience against that top tier talent can help UNLV moving forward. Yeah, you know, and I didn't think that they were going to go in there and win the game. But I'll tell you what, in the second half, they really mm-hmm. competed, right? And they, they went out there and they looked like that they, you know, they were trying to win that game. And obviously they were. But what did you think of, of the Rebels' performance, especially in the second half? Yeah, I mean, for the past three weeks, we've seen nothing but backups for this UNLV football team on both sides of the ball. Uh, You know, nothing but twos and threes playing right now. There's so many starters that are injured right now. The starting running back, the starting quarterback on the defensive side of the ball, there's some D linemen out too. So it's like, man, you're you're just rolling with all your twos and threes with some freshmen in there as well. So, um, you know, for UNLV to keep fighting and for UNLV to to not lay down, you know, to not give up, to not be like, all right, you know, we're not going to win this game. Um, it was exciting to see Harrison Bailey get in there and, and play a lot on, on Saturday, the Tennessee transfer. I've been really wanting to see more from Harrison Bailey. Obviously, Doug Brumfield's down right now, but um, it was great to see what he can do. You know, what impresses me about him is that he's 6'5", 230, and he's only a sophomore. So it's like, man, he has, you know, so much potential, so much growth that he, he can do at UNLV, and he's such a big guy. So... Um, it was great to see just the twos and threes really step up um, at Notre Dame all season. So, yeah, for UNLV to keep fighting, to to be resilient, you know, to, to keep punching back, that was the biggest point. That was the biggest the biggest thing I saw on Saturday is that this UNLV football team just didn't give up. Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports is our guest right now on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. DeMond's got one for you. Could you see from the players on the team when you're traveling with the team that they were really soaking in the moment and just being a part of being at that history that Notre Dame has so much of? Yeah, I mean, I think the guys were really excited to be there. I know post-game Austin Ajake was saying, you know, we were ready to roll as soon as we walked into the stadium. Like, wow, let's take advantage of this opportunity. Let's fight. Let's, you know, put our best foot forward out there, even though we're really banked up. Um, you know, it was just it was just a pinch me up for for me, for the players, for the coaches. I mean, it's not every day you get a play in 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 Notre Dame at Notre Dame in, in such a history like that. And um, we flew out there a little bit early, so we were able to just kind of check it out and and go see the campus. And 
Um, and it was just awesome to see the UNLV flag and the Notre Dame flag flying together uh, side by side at, at Notre Dame Stadium. So I was like, wow, that's history. That's the first time that's ever happened. So um, I know for the fans who went out there, they, they were soaking it all in. They, you know, a lot of them flew into Chicago. So it was just something UNLV has never experienced before. And I hope I hope it only helps the program moving forward. When you talk to Coach Arroyo for the Reb Zone, I know that no one wants to hear this, but were there any moral victories that the team was able to take away or any positives that Coach Arroyo could point to from this game? I definitely think so. I think it's it's the experience of the backups, the younger players that were, were playing in this game. Um, Cam Friel, Harrison Bailey, you know, just, just the younger guys in this game that were playing, you know, to have that experience under your belt, to play in front of 80,000, you know, to play against, you know, uh, you know, Midwest talent, you know, that that's that's exciting to go up against, um, especially when you're so young, especially if they make it to a bowl game this year. You know, they kind of already have that big moment experience underneath their belt. But, um, you know, for 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 it to be a measuring stick, you know, it's not like they were blown out. It's not like they laid down. It's not like they only scored a field goal. You know, they were able to to get, you know, two scoring drives up in there. and, and, And Harrison Bailey was able to get some more reps and under his belt so i think overall there's a lot of positives you can take away from that game you know paloma you mentioned the bowl game and i said that at the beginning of the season that that would be a great step in the in the right direction for coach royal and this program is is being bowl eligible they have four wins they just need two more to become bowl eligible uh how important is it for this program to get those two wins and get a bowl game this year i mean coach royal says that is it that is Mm. all they are focusing on you know that is that is the goal and that's all they're that's all they're thinking about really i throughout my whole show you know we kind of talked about the Notre dame game but i think coach royal was just so moved past that and, and just so focused on getting healthy during this bye week um coming out of the bye week and and getting ready to roll with doug brumfield who's you know he told me is optimistic about him getting getting him back this week during the bye week so um you know if a lot of their starters can can get healthy and ready to roll they can finish the season strong and Coach Royal told me that is the only focus his team has right now is getting to a bowl game. You mentioned Doug Brumfield. Coach is optimistic that he'll be back after this bye week because the next game is not until November 5th against San Diego mm-hmm. State. So how many players does Coach realistically expect to be back? Oh, you know, because there's yeah. a lot of players banged up. Does he expect most of them to be back for November 5th? Uh, I, I would think so. I mean, on my show, he was, he was naming just about everyone on his football <laughs> team that he was like, man, everyone is is pretty much banged up, nicked up, needs some time. I mean, to play Notre Dame halfway through your season, you know, you can expect some bruises and bangs, you know, uh, halfway through the season. So, but I think the biggest injury, you know, hurting the UNLV football team right now is Doug Brumfield. I mean, he was able to just find that consistency, find that rhythm. He's the leader of this team. Um, you know, he's had the most reps in the quarterback room. Um, you know, he's been able to build that chemistry with his receivers, with running the ball, with finding that confidence. So without him, you know, he's a huge, huge factor in, in if the Rebels win or lose. So to have Doug Brumfield back, that's kind of the anchor of this team. Um, and then, you know, the rest the rest can definitely fall apart. But getting Doug Brumfield is probably the number one player that, that, that they definitely need right now. So what's the plan for the Rebels during this bye week? How how heavy is Coach Royal already looking forward to San Diego State? Yeah, when I talked to him, he he told me the first thing they wanted to focus on is just is just getting the guys healthy, getting them some rest, you know, getting them some much needed 
you know, uh, the bye week couldn't have come at more of a perfect time. You know, they're so banged up on, on both sides of the ball. And, you know, I, I was talking to him about this SDSU game being the revenge game. You know, it was a close game last year in the fourth quarter. I think it was like 21-20 in the fourth quarter last year. And the SDSU game was one of those games that, one of the six games that, you know, slipped away from, from UNLV. So he said before we can even get to the revenge against San Diego State, you know, I want my team to get healthy. I want them to rehab. I want them to, you know, just just move in the right direction before we even start uh, prepping for San Diego State. So I was like, pretty fair. I need a break. Everyone needs a break. <laughs> I mean, it's like a little halfway halfway through season. You know, we need, we need to take a nap or something. <laughs> Talking right now with Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports here on Radio Nation Radio 920. So that's where I wanted to go next. We know what the Rebels' plans are for the bye week. What is Paloma Villacana's plans for the bye week? What what are you covering? What are you working on this week? Because I know you're not just chilling and relaxing. Yeah, well, I um, I am actually in California. I'm back home. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I was was able to sneak away for a quick second. Nice. and I think, I think, like, for everyone in the program, just to kind of get, like, a mental break just for a second, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of refresh. Um, you know, when you get back to work, we can kind of, you know, get a fresh mindset, get ready to roll. Um, yeah, I've been working every day since, like, you know, the start of the Aces season. Yeah, so. yeah, I know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I've been nonstop ever since the Aces really started their season, so... Um, it's nice to just kind of get a quick, quick second home. Then I'm I'm back to work on Saturday. So um, yeah, but you know we still got the Red Zone going on and football season and everything and keeping up with the Raiders and. Um, but it's nice to sneak away home to San Diego for just a quick second. Yeah, and I just got an email from UNLV literally while we're talking about uh, credentials for the basketball season coming up and mm-hmm. who's going to need them and who's not. Uh, how excited <laughs> yeah. and pumped up are you for uh, Coach Kruger and his next season as a running Rebels head coach? Yeah, I mean, he's got a brand new squad. You know, he's he's got like six new guys. Um, so that's exciting. I can't wait to see what, what Kevin Kruger does this season. I know that their non-conference schedule is much easier than last year's non-conference schedule. So, you know, hopefully the running Rebels can, can start off on, you know, the right foot. I know they played like Michigan and UCLA yeah, last yeah. year. It was like it was like a tough non-conference schedule. And, you know, that's the thing with, with uh, you know, the transfer portal this year is like, you know, you got a brand new squad that you got to find all that chemistry, and, and you know, you got to put together a brand new squad every year now. So that's that's one thing for these college coaches; they have a brand new roster every single year. So that's definitely a challenge each year. And then, you know, catching up with the Lady Rebels too. The Lady Rebels, yeah. their their season's about to start too. I know they're doing something on Saturday at, at the Cox Pavilion to go hang out with Lindy LaRock, who's like eight months pregnant, and she's, <laughs> she's out there coaching every day. So, you know, it's it's awesome. So, yeah, once basketball season starts and, and the football season's going, like the city is buzzing. I just feel like mm-hmm. there's a different buzz around the city when basketball, football, hockey, we got everything going on right now. A team that I want to ask you about that I know you're probably rooting for, TCU. Uh, Do you think that they're going to win the Big 12 undefeated right now? (laughs) (laughs) Go Frogs! (laughs) Yeah, man, I'm proud of them. I mean, that's that's awesome. It's been so much fun. You know, on Saturdays, I'm super busy, but I'm I'm always just trying to, like, check the score. And I'm like, man, look at that, TCU! They're in overtime. They're in double overtime. I'm like, all right. So, you know, that's awesome. I know a lot of my friends have been back to games. So I'm just like, 
just keeping one eye on UNLV and one eye on TCU, and I'm like, man, that's awesome. So go Frogs. Yeah, they're doing the thing. They really are. It's funny that DeMond brought that up. Uh, you know, I got a buddy that I used to work with that is a TCU alum. He does the uh, the Locked On Horn Frog show right now, as a matter of fact. Oh, and, cool. Man, he hits me up every week like, Q, <laughs> it's another W. It's another W. Man. I was like, man. <laughs> so. It's awesome. I'm so proud of them. And, yeah, I mean, what, what you know, Coach Sonny Dykes is able to do in his first season, that's awesome. So, mm-hmm. Because everyone was like, you know, he's coming from SMU, you know, I don't those, those are kind of our rivals, you yeah, know, so, yep. um, and, you know, with a first year head coach, you never know what's going to happen, so I'm, I'm so proud of, you know, the Frogs, and hey, TCU basketball season starting up too, so hey man, I mean, there you go, anyway, it could be great for both basketball and football. There you <laughs> go, there you go. Don't well, greedy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't mind. Hey, get greedy as you want to, Paloma. It's all good. I mean, you, you work hard enough to be greedy, so that's all good. So I know you're out of town. You're doing your thing. What uh, What do you got coming up on the Rev Zone that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, so actually a really cool piece, um, and I think they you know deserve a lot of recognition. I, I stopped by because it's the bye week. I was able to kind of just do a little bit of more stories, but um, I stopped by UNLV Volleyball's team, and you know they've won like nine games in a row they're like 18 and three overall and um you know they're the reigning mountain west champs so um i was able to stop by volleyball and 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 talk to their coach and their players and you know they they're on they're they're killing it so they're on their way to win another mountain west championship this year so um just catching up with them and it's awesome to kind of shed some light on their program they're you know doing so well at unlv and then um sitting down with daniel gutierrez the kicker of, of unlv football and uh, Coach Royal will be joining me on Sunday, so I'm excited to catch up with Coach Royal and talk about the bye week and see what progress Doug Brumfield and Aiden Robbins and all the guys that are banged up right now. Um, just see who he's getting back, you know, the week of getting ready for San Diego State because, man, I mean, the Rebels are hungry. You know, they're hungry to go to a bowl game and finish the season strong. So I know it's just to be even a tighter, hungrier focus when we get back from the bye. Yeah, no doubt. That's two tough tough games back-to-back. San Diego State next week and, of course, uh, Fresno State at home at Allegiant yep. Stadium the week after that. Well, Paloma, enjoy your time away. It's well-deserved. Be safe when you come <laughs> back, though. Make, make sure you make it back safely, and we'll Thank talk to you, you next week. Talk about the Aztecs. Okay, thanks, guys. Bye. All right, see ya. There she goes, Paloma Villacana. Fantastic job. Fox 5 Sports, you can check out her uh, on Twitter, at Paloma Villacana, doing all things Rebels, all things uh, UNLV, all things Las Vegas. She's on top of it. And uh, every once in a while, when you get that quick little second that you can get away for a minute, it's awesome. So uh, uh, definitely appreciate her making some time when she really didn't have to uh, when she's out there kind of on vacation. So uh, big ups to Paloma for that. 4.14 is the time. We'll come back. We'll hear from Mad Max Crosby. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor sent that over as well from the Raiders locker room. We got some sound bites from head coach Josh McDaniel. Plus, we still got plenty of text to get to. We got a lot coming up here on Rare Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Coming up at 430, you'll hear from head coach Josh McDaniels. He met with us earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center before practice. So there's a couple sound bites that I want you to hear from him. You'll also possibly hear from Patrick Graham. I got a couple sound bites from him as he met with us the day before. Of course, we got your calls and texts as well, 702-365-9200. And then the text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Matter of fact, you can light them up right now if you want. Hit us up. We don't have any more guests the rest of the show, so we got plenty of open time. 
question that we threw out there to you today on the uh, on the text line and the phone line as well is the November 1st trade deadline gets closer and closer. Is there a realistic trade that you think the Raiders should make? Who or what would it be for, and what would you be willing to give up in that trade? So uh, hit us up on the text line and phone lines and give us your thoughts on that. I did want to pass this along, this little nugget that I got from NFL Communications, and I love uh, being part of this because they send us stuff over all the time. Uh, every week on on Wednesdays, what to look forward to the next week of the NFL season. So they sent over the email, what to look for week eight. So as I'm scrolling down, scrolling down, all of a sudden I see silver and black attack. So I know we're talking Raiders. So according to this, they say the Raiders running back Josh Jacobs totaled 155 scrimmage yards, 143 rushing, 12 receiving, and tied his career High with three rushing touchdowns, while wide receiver Devontae Adams led the team with eight receptions and 95 receiving yards in Raiders' Week 7 win. Jacobs ranks tied for second in the NFL with six rushing touchdowns and fourth with 774 scrimmage yards this season and has recorded at least 150 scrimmage yards and a rushing touchdown in each of his past three games. If he reaches those marks again at New Orleans on Sunday, he could become the fifth player in NFL history with at least 150 scrimmage yards and a rushing touchdown in four consecutive games. And first, since Pro Football Hall of Famer LaDainian Tomlinson did it in 2006, weeks 8 through 11. The players with the most consecutive games with at least 150 scrimmage yards and a rushing touchdown in NFL history, LaDainian Tomlinson with the Chargers, season 2006, 4. Larry Johnson, the Chiefs, 2005, 4. Priest Holmes, Chiefs, 2002, 4. Terrell Davis, Broncos, 98, 4. Potentially Josh Jacobs, Raiders, 2022, would be 4. What do all those have in common? All those players, DeMond, I'll put you to the test. All the players I just mentioned, Tomlinson, Johnson, Holmes, Davis, and Jacobs, what all do they have in common besides the fact that they're running backs? AFC West. Boom, AFC West. How is that? Right? I mean, you want to talk about something that kind of, to me, is, is I don't want to say a weird stat, but it's kind, of, it's kind of strange, right? Out of all the divisions of football, every one of those are coming out the AFC West. To me, that's something. Yeah, and those players, that really took me back with LT, Priest Holmes, yeah. Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson, like, Terrell Davis, right, exactly. So Josh Jacobs can get at least 100 scrimmage, 150 scrimmage yards and a rushing touchdown. He could be tied with four games with all those guys, including Hall of Famer LaDainian Tomlinson and Hall of Famer Terrell Davis. Also, when it comes to Devontae Adams, Adams has 37 receptions for 509 yards and five TDs this season, including at least one touchdown catch in each of his past three road games. Since entering the NFL in 2014, he ranks tied for first among active players in touchdown receptions with 78, fourth in receptions, 706, and fifth in receiving yards at 8,630. With two more receiving touchdowns this season, this season, not in a game, this season, Adams could become the fourth player in NFL history with at least 700 receptions and 80 receiving touchdowns in his first nine career seasons. Joining Pro Pro Football Hall of Famers Marvin Harrison, Calvin Johnson, and the GOAT, Jerry Rice. The players with at least 700 receptions and 80 receiving touchdowns in their first nine NFL seasons in history, Marvin Harrison with the Colts, 845 receptions, 98 receiving touchdowns. Calvin Johnson with the Lions, 731 receptions, 83 receiving touchdowns. And Jerry Rice with the Niners, 708 receptions, 118 receiving touchdowns. Right now, Devontae Adams with the Raiders, obviously with the Packers before that, 706 receptions and 78 receiving touchdowns. 
So that's a pretty good company for both Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. I know that Devontae Adams wouldn't say this now because, hey, man, winning games is the most important part, but I'll say it for him. Get the gold jacket ready. Man, facts. Big facts. Big facts right there. And, again, you're right. You're spot on. He was not going to say that. He will not talk about that. And I remember talking to him in the summertime during training camp, and he said, hey, you know, I got a lot more work to do. You know, do I want to be like Jerry Rice and, and, you know, have those kind of records and stuff? Sure. But I got a lot more work to do to get on to a level like that. And, and that just shows the hunger that a Devontae Adams has and also lets you know, if you didn't already know, what kind of player Devontae Adams is. So I'm hoping that Darren Waller is able to come back. I'm hoping that Josh Jacobs is able to keep running the rock like he is. And if, it, if that happens, I believe everything opens up. If Josh Jacobs keeps running like he is, everything is going to open up even more in the passing game. And I think that's when you really start to see Devontae Adams really start cooking. He's played well. He hasn't played next level, right? The offense hasn't clicked at a next level yet. But you can see that, that it's got the possibility. It's got the chances. It's, the makings are there, right? I mean, you see it. You see it coming along. It just isn't there just quite yet. But all you got to do is find ways to win games while you're trying to put it all together. That's the biggest key right there. Win games while you're putting it together, and you'll be all right. Because he's, he's showing that he's the man. You said he's played well. But for me, I, I do think he's had like maybe one or two games that he hasn't been all pro level. Right. But for me, I'm like, I look at Devontae Adams and you at least look at the stats. What more do you want him to do? No, no, I understand. I, I'm just saying, like, you, you know what I mean? When you get a, a superstar like there, that, you want to see that superstar type game. And, okay, yes. And it, it, it's just, it's, it's a fine line, honestly, because you don't want to do what the Raiders, in my opinion, did in game one, where it's like, force it to him, force it to him, force it to him, because we want to see this monster game. But you do kind of want to see him. Like, what he does that blows my mind, and he does it every game, is he'll just. Off the line of scrimmage, you know, he'll run his route and he'll give a, a double move, a, a triple move, and it's just like that, ah, 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 right? And it's like, wow, he did that. And then when he catches the ball, the work he does after. And James Jones, I had Amber Theo Harris and James Jones sitting next to me in the press box on Sunday, right? And it's so funny because James Jones, obviously former NFL wide receiver, played with Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr. He, uh, he's sitting there next, right next to me. Amber Theo Harris is on the other side. But he's sitting there, and every time – as, you know, wide receivers are always going to key in on the wide receiver. Bryce Butler does it as well. But James Jones is watching Devontae Adams. He's like, we got Tay. We got Tay. Like, he said, he's saying this before, <laughs> before the snap. He's saying that pre-snap. We got what we want with Tay. We got what we want with Tay. And then when the ball's going Devontae's way and he makes the catch, all of a sudden you heard James Jones be like, ah, 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 there he is. Ah. You know what I mean? Like, he's, it's almost like, a, you know how it sounds in a basketball game. I mean, not that you get in the game, but you know how it sounds uh-huh. when, when someone's shaking you up on the hoop court. You get shooken all the time, so you know. But, uh, yeah, you know what it sounds like. It's like, ah. Ah, got him. Got him, right? I mean, it's just – and so I know I know something special is happening when I hear a guy like James Jones and him reacting the way he does. Again, you can take a lot of things from little small things, and, and I, like to, I like to pay attention to everything. So when I hear James Jones just commenting on, oh, man, oh, I see the coverage. Oh, I, they got exactly what they want. Oh, man, they, all they got to do is throw it to the corner of the end zone, let Tay go get it. I mean, it's just – I love hearing the breakdown from players – uh, especially pre-snap, because they, they know exactly what they're looking for from that certain play's point of view. Someone like me, I got to wait for the play to develop before I actually know. I mean, sometimes I can say, oh, man, I see the matchup right there. You got him. You got an opportunity. But the players know immediately. They know as soon as you know they break the huddle and they line up, got him. Yeah, they know already. But also my biggest takeaway from that James Jones story is that receivers always think that they're open. And he's just, hey. 
go to Tay. He probably just be. Yeah, I'm not saying I know he's looking right. at it, but right. I do think that receivers like, hey man. Oh yeah, you they, throw it to him. Oh, they always think they're open. He's always open. Oh yeah, no, they they could be they could be uh, blanketed literally, like with a blanket over top of him. It's like no, no, he's open. <laughs> Just throw it to him. Just throw it to him. He'll be fine. <laughs> He'll be fine. Uh, so there you go. Uh, wanted to pass that stat along and and or those stats along from uh, Josh Jacobs and uh, and Devontae Adams, what they could potentially do. Devontae Adams with the rest of the season, and also Josh Jacobs with this upcoming game. Got a text from Rob in Oakland at six nine one eight seven. Says it's odd that Tomlinson, Holmes, Johnson, and Davis achieved those gaudy statistical milestones. It makes me wonder whether the Raiders' defense was involved in all those streaks. That would explain why it's all concentrated in the AFC West. That's a good point. And I know, well, I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, without, without going back and looking at all those games and just looking at the, the stretch of games, I can almost say that, yeah, I'm sure the defense was a, a major factor there because LT used to have his way with the Raiders. Right? I mean, that used to drive me. I used to tell him, too. I told him after he, he retired and when I would talk to him when he was in Texas and I was in Texas, I told him, I said, man, I couldn't stand you as a, as a charger because that stupid little flip of the ball used to drive me crazy. And the way he used yeah, exactly. DeMond just did that, uh, that stupid little flip uh, on screen. That thing used to drive me crazy because he did it so often against the Raiders every single game. I felt like he ran for like 400 yards. It was stupid. As a kid, that was the coolest celebration, man. It was not. I was so I hate. I mean, it was, but I hated. <laughs> I hated. That drove me crazy. You said that was his 2008 season. Uh, let me go back and tell you right now. It was his. Yeah, give me the year for each four guys, and I'll and I'll and I'll get this information. And 2006. The it was 2006 for four games with LT. 2006. Uh, let me see if I can tell you exactly what games they were. I thought I did weeks eight through eleven. So I mean, obviously, other teams are involved. But I'm sure that the Raiders were involved in each one of these games, you know, even though, like I said, it's at least four games. So there's that. But I'm sure, I have no doubt with it being Larry Johnson, Priest Holmes, Terrell Davis, I'm sure, no doubt, that they, uh, they, were, they were having their way with the Raiders' defense as well. Uh, good stuff, Rob. Definitely appreciate that. <laughs> Mailman Raider Max said the same thing. All those players went against the Raiders two times in that stretch run, laughing my ass off. <laughs> That's a, there, I think we're all on a theme here. We all got a theme. Zeke of Bakersfield said, Q, now that they traded away Hankins, could that leave an opening for Sue if they cannot address that in-house or with another trade? Zeke of Bakersfield. Um, I hate to say it, but I think that, 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 uh, I think that Sue ship has long sailed. Uh, I could be absolutely 100% wrong. I have no problem saying it if I was. I just feel like that, that if that was going to happen, it would have happened already. And it just, to me, doesn't feel like that that is something that the Raiders want to do. I will say this. As we were at practice today, we walked out there uh, when it was our time to go out for stretching and all that. We were able to take pictures and video. Uh, GM Dave Ziegler was on the phone. And I, I, talked, <laughs> I started talking to Paul Gutierrez and, uh, and Vinny at the same time. I go, hey, there's an incoming trade happening right now because you saw – you saw, uh, you saw Dave Ziegler on the phone, and you kind of saw him with one hand over one ear like he's trying to hear because the music was playing. And I, I, I just knew somebody was going to take a picture and tweet it out. I didn't do it because I didn't want people to start speculating like that. I thought it was funny, right? But I just figured if I took a picture of him on the phone and tweeted it, someone would say, oh, there's a, there's a, uh, he's making a trade. He's got the call going right there. Someone's, you know, so I didn't want to do that. But I thought it was pretty funny, so I didn't mind talking about it just because it was one of those fun, funny moments. Uh, at the facility today. Uh, let's see. Hey, Q, in that 2006 season, weeks 8 through 11, the Raiders were not a part of that. Actually, if the Raiders want to take a little, pri- a little pride, they were the reason that it wasn't five games in a row. Really? Yes. There you go. Played the Raiders week 12. Uh, the Chargers did win 
But <laughs> they held him to 109 yards rushing. Oh, only 109. How many touchdowns did he get? Three? He used Two. To, oh, there you go. And he probably threw one, too. He used to drive me crazy. Whoa, Q, you're amazing. He did throw a touchdown. I again. told you. I told <laughs> <laughs> I've never been more impressed with you. <laughs> That's my claim to fame right there. I'm telling you, man, that dude used to burn the Raiders. I couldn't stand that cat. And I t- I'm telling you, the first time we interviewed him in a Super Bowl setting, I told him straight up on the air, I was like, man, how many yards did you average against the Raiders? Because it felt like from a fan's point of view, it was about 404 touchdowns. And he just laughed. I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but he did say, for anyone who hates LT, and I, I did as a, as a fan, you know, just watching him while he was playing, I couldn't stand him. He said he had so much respect for Raider Nation, and he had so much respect for the Raiders, like in, in general. Uh, he respected the hell out of Al Davis, had some really good conversations with Al, uh, and, and thought that the fan base, the way that they uh, would always be at the Coliseum and cheering and the way that the Raider Nation traveled and everything, he said he was a big fan of the silver and black as far as just the fans and, and, and the respect for the team. So even though he torched the Raiders early and often, he, uh, he did have respect for the organization and Raider Nation. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, but I'm looking. So 21 points. He threw for a touchdown. Ran for another two. Philip Rivers didn't even need to show up. <laughs> he was 14 to 20, uh, 14 to 31. Terrible. Exactly. Yeah, he had a terrible day. But LT didn't. LT had a Don't fantastic worry. Don't day. Don't worry, big dog. I got it. <laughs> I'm glad we can laugh at this now because I sure wasn't laughing at it then, man. I was not laughing at it then. That was a big time problem. Old LT, man, couldn't couldn't stand that cat when he was playing for the Chargers. That is for damn sure. 702-365-9200. Let's go out to the phone line real quick. Who we got up? Juan the Smasher. Juan, welcome to the show. I can't wait to hear this one. Juan, what's up, man? What's on your mind? What's up, Q? What's going on? I'm chilling, man. How you doing? I know that's right. Hey, man, I'm <laughs> doing good. But uh, that, that LT, that running back, yeah. I remember him, too. And, he, man, he used to drive me nuts, too. Him... Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, I couldn't stand those cats, bro. <laughs> Every time. I would just see uh, LT run, and then you go Tyler Brayton chasing him. And I'm like, come on, dog. Hey, hey somebody got to stop this cat. And I remember that, too. Every single time, he would just flip that football. In 2006, I was in that season opener, and he, he had came near us, and we all booed him. We were like, nah, man, go over there. Get it, nah, get up out of here. We don't want to shake your hand. And we were all booing him in the black hole. I remember LT, he, he was a Raider killer, and I couldn't stand that. It, it was just something about us that he would just light up and just gash us, and we couldn't stop this fool. And it, was, it was just frustrating, but if, if Josh Jacobs could get up there, because he's running like LT right now, handsome. And, and if he could do that, man, man that'll be dope, because that, that is one of my favorite players, and I'm praying and hoping that, that Mark Davis signs this cat back, because we need this guy. This guy's running with a purpose. And he's running behind those pads. And this Sunday, he's going to do the same thing. And let's go, Raiders. Come on, baby. Let's get it. There you go. Good stuff. Juan the Smasher. Appreciate the call, my man. And I think uh, you share the feelings of a lot of Raider Nation when it comes to LT and what he used to do to the Silver and Black. He literally owned the Raiders. I mean, and it, it wasn't even close. 4.35 is the time. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, you'll hear from head coach Joshua Daniels. You'll hear from Mad Max Crosby. We'll close out the show strong. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness. The judge, Lester Hayes, joining us now. That's why, Q, of course, our team kept winning. 
kept winning, Q, because of our training. You got to put in the work and the time and the perseverance and the patience to train your body and train your brain. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. I was told that many times Monday at the Oyo, as we were at the Underground Lounge for Monday Night Football, everyone that came by, talking about my uh, my tragedy when I was going up against Vegas Jess, a lot of people told me, Q, you got to put in the work. You got to train your body and train your brain. That and stay low, stay low. <laughs> so those, those are the two pieces of advice that I was given at the Oyo on Monday as uh, folks were talking about that, uh, that incompletion that Jason threw to Vegas Jess on that Friday night before the bye week as the Raiders had a bye. And Demon, many people there, including Bill, said, oh, that was clearly a completion. It definitely dropped. So there you go. So many people saw the incompletion. Hey, man, they got better eyes than me then. I don't know what to tell you. I, uh, you know what it was? I wanted to believe he caught it. So I did wa- he. I wanted to believe. <laughs> so did he. He wanted to believe he caught it. And like I said, it's not, it's not because of me he didn't catch it. It's because Jason had a piss-poor throw. That throw was terrible. I mean, I'm on the ground. All you have to do is just throw the ball straight. He threw this thing that was like a rainbow and short-armed it. I don't know what he was doing, but – you know, there was like there was no way to throw an incompletion, but he threw an incompletion. This only this reminds me of my sophomore year playing against Bishop Gorman. I'm in in the first quarter. They, this I'm not gonna lie about. I what was game, surprised. What game were you playing? Football. Okay. I was surprised they put me in in the first quarter. I was like, what? <laughs> first quarter? They want to get you killed against Gorman. Ain't used to getting run this early in the game. Okay, coach. <laughs> what you need? Play action. I bite hard. I'm like, yeah, I'm about to blow up this run. I got this. I, I see the quarterback still got the football. I look back. Man, that's probably my man right there, huh? <laughs> Wide open. <laughs> but the quarterback, this guy went to Arizona. He was the starting quarterback in Arizona for a while, too. And uh, he just underthrew him. But, boy, I got in that receiver's face like, I, like yeah, you heard Like you foot- made the play, You huh? heard the footsteps, huh? <laughs> oh, man, boy, I was talking the most trash. Didn't man, do nothing. <laughs> you know what's funny? I'm glad you said that, though. Doesn't that remind you? How many times do you see a game? It could be college football, NFL, whatever, where the DB gets way burnt. And it's just a bad throw, like it goes out of bounds or something happens, and the, the receiver doesn't make the catch, and the DB's like, that's right, you mm-hmm. get nothing. That nothing. was me. <laughs> I even picked up the ball. I ran it back to the official, like, yeah, just like, yeah, yeah, we going back. Yeah, I, I was just happy, you know. That what what number it. were you? Man, I don't remember my high school number, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. You, all your credibility just went out the door. You don't even remember your number. I don't, sophomore year, man, I was one and done. I was like, hey, varsity as a sophomore? Yeah, I've done all I need to do. It, well, your coach yelled, zero, <laughs> zero. Come on, stand next to me, son. No, nah, stand man. next to me. No, I, I, was giving, I was giving them hell that game because on the punt returns, I'm going to talk about this. You know, we were punting a lot. So on that <laughs> punt coverage, though, I was hitting the guy with a little Deacon Jones. Uh-huh. And I was, I was getting I – was, I was the best gunner that game. I'll tell you what. I ain't, man, I'll tell you what. Look, football, obviously there was a reason why I didn't play. Man, when I did play football – I remember going on punt coverage one time, and I, I saw a dude right in front of me. I was like, oh, this is going to be a big TFL, man. Big tackle for loss. I'm about to get him. And he went to the left, man, and I went with him with my eyes still on him. You know they say, keep your head on a swivel. Boom, by yell. I got ear hold, man, and it was, I still don't know where I'm at. 
Like, I still to this day don't know where I'm at. You know, I don't even know what city that happened in. I got hit so hard. <laughs> I know whatever. whenever I woke up, I wasn't in that same city, though. I'll tell you that. I Man, they hit me so hard in my ear hole, my ankle hurt. Like, that was that's how bad that was. My, my ankle, I, I had to sit out a few plays because my ankle was hurting. That's when I knew. I said, what am I doing out here with all these young fellas? What am I doing? There ain't no reason. I can tell you what my number was. My number was 31 because at that time I was 31 playing. That was my number, 31. And I got that number because, if I remember correctly, that's the number that Philip Buchanan was when he played for the Raiders. And I thought that that was a cool number. I always thought that the number 31 looked cool on the jersey. So I was like, hey, I'm 31 years old. Uh, I know I ain't got no business out here, but I'm going to go do it anyway. And I did. And, yeah. Man, great stories. Two two top tier two top tier athletes here. Yeah, clearly. I mean, come on now. Clearly not. Based off the results from what I've had, I'm still recovering. My hands look a lot better than they looked a week ago though, so I'm good. I'm almost on the mend. I could get back out there pretty soon with Vegas Jess. He just texts me, Stay low. Stay low. <laughs> <laughs> Actively listening. Yeah, 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 yeah. He wants to make sure that I don't uh I don't put any salt on his name, that's all. He wants to make sure that you know, I keep it a buck, which I do at all times. Speaking of keeping it a buck, let's go to Coach Josh McDaniels. We met with him today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Uh, had a few questions for him about the current team, the way it's made up. Also had a few questions about the Saints as they're going to be playing them next. So want to have you uh, here, first of all, Coach McDaniels, what he had to say about the Jonathan Hankins trade. Did that mean by him being available for the Cowboys as they got a six-round pick in return, did that mean that the young guys are coming along pretty well? I don't think that's a, just a sign of anything. I think, um, you know, Dave and that group upstairs does a great job of trying to evaluate every opportunity that comes, you know, their way. Um, they've tried to do that all year. We've tried to do it as a group, um, just making decisions that we think might be able to help us either now or, you know, as we go forward. You know, we're, we're trying to take, you know, focus on the Saints, but at the same time there's a long-term view here that, um, you know, you have to keep in mind and uh, really enjoy John. Uh, did a great job for us and it's just an opportunity that, you know, presented itself and you try to evaluate each one of them individually and see if that would, that's what you think is best for the team. And uh, we do have some young players. Hopefully they can step in there and, you know, play some good football. So there's Joshua Daniels talking about Jonathan Hankins and him being traded to the Dallas Cowboys. Before we go on with any any sound from head coach Josh McDaniels. I did want to pass along this note from our good friend Aaron Wilson. He actually put this out a couple hours ago, and I don't know how I didn't notice it. Uh, the Raiders signed to Vaughn Campbell off the Jaguars practice squad. Did I already mention that? Is that was that? No, you didn't. I didn't think I did. I, I thought I put out some some roster moves that they made. I don't think that I mentioned that. Did I? Did I just let that slide on by and didn't notice it? Yeah, just an oversight. Are you sure? I guess I did. Yeah. I did. Well, Aaron Wilson, who joins the show uh, quite a bit, he uh, he tweeted out two hours ago, and I just now, and that's my fault, I just now noticed it, uh, that the Raiders signed Tavon Campbell off the Jaguars practice squad. He is a cornerback. His 2021 season, uh, he was actually with, I think, the Chargers in 2021. Uh, he had 31 solo tackles, two forced fumbles, no interceptions, and four passes defense. So uh, there you go. Tavon Campbell is now a member of the Silver and Black. And if you sign a guy off your off anyone's practice squad, you have to sign him to the active roster. So Tavon Campbell is now being signed to the Raiders' active roster. Again, that was as of two hours ago from our guy Aaron Wilson 
on Twitter. Now I want to get back to some sound from head coach Josh McDaniels, and this one is a really good one. It's a really lengthy one about Josh Jacobs and the running back usage and the philosophy because one of the things that we said, and it's so funny when people hit us up and tell us how we're wrong about everything, one of the things that we talked about was that the Raiders were going to run running back by committee because that's what we always saw in New England. And that's what Josh McDaniels has been accustomed to. And if you go back and look at the numbers and look at all the plethora of running backs they've always had, they've done that. They've run running back by committee. So this season, Josh Jacobs has just been running, and he won't come off the field. And so everyone's saying how wrong we were about everything because clearly they don't do running back by committee. Well, as you'll hear this from Josh McDaniels, that actually was the plan. Josh Jacobs changed the plan. Here's Josh McDaniels talking about the running back usage philosophy. I don't think the philosophy in terms of what we're doing has changed at all. I think that you're right. Uh, we, we definitely, uh, in my history, we've, we've used different backs, I would say, differently and maybe had more of a rotation. Um, you know, uh, when we, we had Corey Dillon back in the early 2000s, you know, that was a little different. You know, we really, we, we featured him a lot and gave him the ball a bunch. Um, you know, Sony, when he was a rookie, um, you know, had a thousand yards and, you know, was pretty productive. But by and large, I think that was that was something that we we chose to do, made a conscious decision, decision to do it because we felt like that's what was probably best for the team. Um, in this case, uh, I think he's, you know, uh, the one the one thing that hasn't happened is he hasn't had 25 carries a game for the whole season. You know, the first few games of the season, we really fell out of balance a little bit. So the wear and tear on him was, you know, pretty minimal, honestly, you know, because we were behind and we threw the ball a lot and all the rest of it. So um, we'll keep our eyes on that as we go through the year. But I think the players really earn, you know, what they get. And in his case, you know, he does it in practice. He does it in the games. He's been very consistent and dependable, obviously very tough and productive. And so um, – you know, no reason to do it, then we won't do it. If there is a reason to do it based on wear and tear and those kind of things, and obviously our other guys are ready to go. So, um, you know, just I don't think it's really a change in anything. I think it's just we're kind of seeing how it's going and kind of following that, you know, until you know, until it really needs to change, honestly. So running until the, the you know till the till the wheels fall off, right? As long as it's working, stick with them. So going back to running back by committee, that's what they do, right? I mean, he pointed out a couple times that they didn't, but for the most part, that is what they do. But you know, and he gave the reasons why. Uh, you know, early in the season, he wasn't being used that much as far as and he being Josh Jacobs, and that I think we all know because we all question how come Josh Jacobs isn't getting more burn, and right now he's earning. All those, all those reps that he's getting. And if something needs to change, they'll change it, obviously. They've got the, the, the guys that make it happen. They've got plenty of running backs on the active roster, you know, from Zamir White to Brandon Bolden to Britton Brown to Amir Abdullah. I mean, all those guys are available and ready to go. But Josh Jacobs is making it difficult to say, yeah, we're going to hand the ball to someone else when Josh Jacobs is running as well as he is and he doesn't have any kind of injury. So that's kind of why you're seeing the way that they're using Josh Jacobs the way that they are and why it's not running back by committee. Now one more uh, sound from head coach Josh McDaniels about the current team before we start looking ahead to the New Orleans Saints. And this is about the defense, something that we talked quite a bit about yesterday. Uh, really continue to talk about it today as I'm talking about trades. Where can the defense improve, according to head coach Josh McDaniels? We've talked a lot about, uh, you know, the, the turnover margin in general. I mean, you know, clearly we, we, we've, we've attempted to try to get the ball out, but there's a difference between actually getting it out and putting it on the ground and then recovering it. And, 
um, you know, and getting our hands on more footballs. Um, you know, that's, but that's, the, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that have to do their job right uh, to give you opportunities to get that done. Um, thought we made some progress in the red zone last week. Um, you know, stiffened up a little bit in the defensive end uh, when they got down there inside the 25-yard line, and that's always going to be a, an area that we discuss a lot because there's nothing more important than those two things, turnovers and the ball and points. So, um, you know, really our, our focus is going to be on those two areas primarily. How can we limit explosive plays? How can we limit points in the red zone? And how can we take the football away? Uh, I would say much like most defenses are, you know, and so – uh, a few areas where we're going to try to see if we can't make some progress. There's head coach Joshua Daniels just talking about where they could potentially make some improvements defensively and, and how he thinks the defense is coming along. And, of course, every single week it's going to be a challenge. It just is. And defenses aren't really built the same way that they used to be where it was just a lights-out defense and uh, all these defenses are great. It's a lot of bend-don't-break type you know, defense and uh, try not to allow teams to score in the red zone. And the Raiders, uh, to their credit, in the fourth quarter, they were able to make that happen and shut the Texans out in the fourth quarter. That was obviously big. Now, this week, it's going to be tough, man. We talked to Mike Triplett earlier in the show. He talked about all the points per game that the, the Saints can score. They have a very explosive offense. Their defense has failed them. So he's anticipating a shootout between the Raiders and the Saints on, on Sunday. And if that's the case, well, then the Raiders' offense is going to have to cash in more times than not as far as the red zone goes. They're going to have to not be settling for field goals. They're going to have to do like they did on Sunday where they went three for three in the red zone. We'll get one soundbite here from head coach Josh McDaniels on the Saints, and that's just – New Orleans style of play. It's a pretty lengthy answer, but here's McDaniel's kind of breaking down what the Saints like to do. Very physical. Um, very, I mean, this is as tough and physical as a group, I'd say, on the whole, um, as you're gonna as you're gonna see. And I'm talking about every phase of the of the game of football. Um, Dennis, uh, you know, he, he's it's a first time, first year head coach, but he's been there for a long time, and so. His philosophy and his um, the way he wants to play defense is obviously very well ingrained in their players. Um, you know, Pete Carmichael has been there with Sean for a long time. You know, really, there's a lot of continuity in this organization when you talk about you know Sean Payton being there from 06 to 21, and now you know there's a lot of people that are still there. You know, the general manager, the way they built the team. You know, there's a lot of continuity. So. Um, they know exactly who they are. They know what their identity is. They play to it. Um, <clears throat> they've been in. Uh, they, they played seven games, and all but one of them was a one-score game. You know, to finish whether they won or lost. So very similar to us. They've been in a lot of close games. Um, it's a tough physical group. They're explosive. I'd say in all three phases. Offensively, they can score in one play. Um, you know, with a lot of different skill players. They're very fast. Um, Defensively, you know, the eight guys on the edge, Davenport, Jordan, I mean, they, they can get to the quarterback quickly. Um, you know, nobody's touched the ball more than Tyron Matthews since he's been in the league. So, um, you know, and we know they had a lot of guys that have been injured, um, <clears throat> but we're preparing for the, for everybody on their roster right now. Uh, you know, they've had a little extra time to hopefully heal up on their end, and, you know, we'll see who ends up playing, but we're preparing for all their guys. But it's a very explosive group. Very tough, very physical in all three phases. Play very hard in a kicking game. Um, and, you know, playing down there on the road in this stadium is, a, is always a big challenge. It's going to be noisy. Um, you know, that's always an added burden uh, when you go in there and play them. Um, so, you know, a lot of things to prepare for, a lot of new players to get used to and, and learn. Uh, that's basically what we're hard at work at doing today. 
There you go. Head coach Josh McDaniels talking about New Orleans, trying to break him, break him on down, give you a big summary of the whole team right there. So we'll do some more deep diving into the Saints tomorrow. We'll hear some more from head coach Josh McDaniels as they prepare for the Saints. We'll hear from Patrick Graham. We'll hear from Max Crosby. We got a lot to get to on tomorrow's show as well, so make sure you tune into that. Uh, one quick text from Zeke and Bakersfield. Q, I just pulled up the stats. LT towards the Raiders. In 19 games, 2,055 yards, 22 touchdowns. He could have been a Hall of Famer with those numbers. This is Red Nation Radio 920. At Racing Canes, we're huge football fans.